Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God, and we're going to talk about some unusual subjects today. I'm going to talk about Osho. What is Osho? Who is Osho? What is that? And it's going to lead into other things. But I also listened to Ron Paul today. I had a video that was downloaded during the wee hours of the morning. I just played it while I was trying to put things together. I put finally got everything recording about 20 seconds before the show. I actually began to talk, sliding into first as I usually do. The uh, One of the things that he was saying that I think is really important and kind of been a topic in the network in a roundabout sort of way is homeschooling. He He's making that one of his priorities is to get people to get their kids out of school. And of course, you know, a lot of people have been up in arms about the socialistic viewpoint. I saw a program the other day that's just a dramatization program on a DVD that was talking about this kind of a, it's the newsroom show and they're, they're making out like Obama's accused of being a socialist and this was, this is ridiculous and a bad thing. Well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it a step. Further, I'm going to accuse the United States citizenry as being socialists. That every one of you citizens out there, to one degree or another, are socialists. If you send your kids to public school, you're a socialist. Because that is a socialist agenda, is the idea that you're going to educate your children at the expense of your neighbor. Because, you know, most kids going to school it's six to twenty thousand dollars a year if you have one child in school are you paying property tax equivalent to that are you putting a property tax bill that would be paying entirely that school bill you some of your property tax is going to paying other things you know sewage and other government benefits which are to some degree socialist too but if you're sending, you know, if I had sent all six of my kids to public school, that would have cost the government nearly a million bucks. I didn't send any of them to school. I alleviated them of that burden because it isn't the government that pays for it. It's my neighbor. And I can't covet my neighbor's goods because that's in the commandments. So I can't desire to have free education for my children at my neighbor's expense unless my neighbor actually chooses to give me 20 bucks to help educate my children. It has to be a free will offering or I can't have anything to do with it. And that's socialism if you do it the way they're doing it now. So you're a socialist if you send your kids to public school. Now, the degree will change and you'll end up with health care and Medicare and 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 every single other thing you can possibly imagine. I probably still have it open. I was talking to a, an attorney in Washington, D.C. the other day and I mentioned something about the oath of naturalization and, you know, like 
if you get a if you get a passport as an example you are assumed by statute to have taken the oath and that oath is I was looking for it here to see if I could pull it up real quick because I had it here just a, <laughs> a little bit ago. But anyway, that oath is quite different than what most people think it is. It's changed a little bit over the years, quite a bit over the years. Uh, you know, it starts off, I hereby declare an oath and, and I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity. Fidelity being like brotherhood of any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I have heretofore been subject or a citizen. Well, you know, Paul says our citizenship is in heaven and uh, our prince and potentate was to be Jesus Christ. I really shouldn't call him a potentate because of the fact that he did not want to rule one over another. He wanted to be that benevolent ruler of God who gave us back our rights because we were willing to take back our responsibilities. And so, but you have to denounce any allegiance to Jesus Christ as your king. You can't do what Peter said and what the other apostles were saying. It says we have another king, one Jesus, if you take this oath. Because you have to renounce that king and do whatever they say. Now, what do they say? People say, well, we have to obey the laws of the country until uh, it gets to the point where they tell us to do something other than what Christ said. Well, let's read the rest of the oath. <laughs> I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States. I thought those were the same thing, but they aren't. The laws of the United States are the laws being made by lawmakers in the United States government. That's not the way it was originally. Originally, this was the government of the people, for the people, and by the people, not by the lawmakers. And the, the other day, I didn't actually hear it, but somebody was quoting to me in the State of the Union address where the president said something about that he wanted to do things with the cooperation of Congress, but if he doesn't get it, he's going to do it by executive order, and he got an actual ovation from Congress. At least some of the people in Congress were evidently applauding. I don't know if they were focusing on one side of the hall or another, but they supposedly got lots of applause, and somebody equated this to the speech of Senator Palpatine in the movie Star Wars, when he, we all knowing that he is actually the uh, the evil Dark Lord, <laughs> is uh, talking about that he was going to do what he was going to do through literally executive power and bypass them, and they applauded. And, of course, we knew that was the end of the republic and the end of freedom and liberty and there was going to be this huge war and everything. But that was only a movie. But this was in real life. And they have no idea what they are applauding. They cannot tell where evil is going to get power. And, of course, we talk about the Saul Center. People did not know that if they elected Saul, a really good guy what they were going to get, but they were going to get it whether they elected Saul or David or or Solomon. Because the nature of giving power to a single man is going to bring corruption. Because power corrupts. 
And what you just saw is an actual spoken statement that we are going to take that power away from your so-called lawmakers in Congress and we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to impose over the next three years law after law after law. Now, there'd be an absolute outcry, you would think, but no, there was no outcry in that room. There were people who spoke against it, but the applause was for it. That is your handwriting on the wall. And it isn't any different in Australia or Canada or England. Some of them have already had these speeches. <laughs> and they're already under these influences. You know, I, I actually saw just this last week a video of, maybe it was the week before, but anyway, the video of English people trying to get their guns back. And they can't. And it's not working. For defending themselves in their own home against known thugs and murderers, They'll go to jail. They can't defend. It's against the law to defend yourself. You will go to jail for defending yourself. That's crazy. But that's the way they're thinking now. That's what's happening to them. And people are in jail and nobody's doing... There should, if those were really Christians in England today... There should be a hundred thousand people protesting in the streets to get that poor farmer out of jail and insisting about it. But they don't love their neighbor as themselves. If it was their dad in jail, they'd be out there. But nobody would be listening to them because nobody loves their neighbor as themselves. Why is that? Socialism. I had a conversation with a fellow in town. Nice guy. But he's given over to the mind that socialism is good because they've removed the middle class. He was talking about, you know, presidents of the United States. I said, we haven't had a good president since Calvin Coolidge. And Calvin Coolidge used to say that the country was the safest when he was taking a nap. He was a laissez-faire president. He knew that the less the president does for the people, the freer the people will be. The more people do for themselves, the freer people will be. What's stopping you? You want it, you want freedom? You want liberty? Start doing for yourselves. What kind of revolution am I talking about? Everybody take their children out of the public school. Now you're still going to be paying the taxes for the public school. And they'll still find a way to spend the money. But you'll be homeschooling your children. But don't just homeschool your children in your house. Network with other homeschooling families. Help them homeschool. There are a lot of single moms out there, even single dads out there, because divorce is rampant, just as it was before the fall of Rome. The dissipation of marriage was common everywhere in Rome. And it is today, because we are following in the footsteps of Rome. But Christians, they were homeschooling. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And they were networking. The union and discipline of their network was so frightening that the emperors were afraid of Christians, because they were so well organized. And you're going to need that help. And single parents certainly need that help to homeschool their children. 
People don't think anything of taking a newborn baby two, three months old and turning it over to people that are literally strangers. And so they can go out and get work so they they can make more money so they can have more uh, bigger TVs and stuff. Now, some people have to do it because they've been abandoned by their husband or their wife. And they need help. And you should be helping them. And the only way you can help them is to network together. And that's why we created the Living Network. Dot org help you network together in any way but you got to go on record of being in the network somewhere along the line you have to pick somebody to help you network networking doesn't mean you just have a phone tree it means somebody the best amongst you 10 families will have everybody's phone number and he will check or she will check you're okay great they'll call you and they'll say I'm okay you okay <laughs> As a question, not as positive thinking. Positive thinking doesn't work because, you know, most of your thinking is done in about 5% of your brain. And you can go around thinking positive thoughts all day long, but the other 95% can be scared to death. And that's where your health and your well-being is going to come from. Because you don't know what's going on in your subconscious. But we never got to the the really interesting part of this constitution. Uh, not constitution, but this oath where it mentioned to defend the Constitution and the laws of the United States, which evidently are now going to be made by one man. Because the guys who are supposed to be doing it are applauding the idea that he's going to do it by executive order. You know what the first executive order was? George Washington ordered dishes. Executive orders were for the executive office. You know, we we need a copy machine. You know, that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's unbelievable. I was trying to get Sister Samara in here to do some programs. Maybe we'll do that. So we'll do some pre-recorded programs. We've got we've got to do five programs a week that go out in a lot of different places, and you can find out where on the Living Network. But we could add some really interesting comments, and we're going to see if we can keep get her to come in here. She was particularly talking about a statement made that the debate on global warming is over. And, of course, that is one of the most unscientific statements known to man because, you know, the equals MC squared debate is not over. They're finding out there are all kinds of errors in E equals MC squared. Because, for one thing, the speed of light isn't constant. They used to think it was a constant. It's not. You know, I mean, even even the formula for gravity doesn't always work out. There are some other peculiar influences that we haven't calculated in. It works pretty good. But they don't even know how those things work. You know, and the the debate on global warming, whatever that, you know, whatever that means. You know, it's now they call it climate change. I was telling you back when I was 13 years old that there would be climate change. You know, I always joke about, you know, I found the cause of global warming. I was up early one morning and this huge ball of fire rose up in the east and it began to get warm. That's the cause of global warming. <laughs> and it's, and the reality is most people don't realize it and, and they have no knowledge of how these things work. But during the ice age, the temperature didn't go uh, uh, down. 
That is why there was ice ages. There's actually some of the ice ages weren't even ice ages. It was actually polar shifts, and the pole was just in a different place, which is why a lot of times the ice melted so rapidly because everything went to another place, <laughs> which happens from time to time. There are tectonic shifting going on, and sometimes that happens on a big scale. But there was simply more particip- uh, precipitation in the form of snow, and so the deeper the snow got, it didn't melt off so quick, and it accumulated. It wasn't temperature, because the temperature moderates itself. All life would have been gone. Somebody said, well, the global warming would be worse if it wasn't for the oceans. If the oceans weren't here, we'd all be dead. <laughs> that's that's part, of the, part of the program. But anyway, back to that oath. You think I'm not making the rabbit trail back around, but I'll get there. That I will perform work of national importance under civilian direction when required by the law. So if they've got any aqueducts they need building, any pyramids they need building, any mud bricks they need made, they can simply grab you and make you do it. They can take the first 25% of your labor every morning. Yeah, they could take 50% of your labor every morning because of that oath. You just agreed to being a slave to the government. And you have to take that oath to become a naturalized citizen. And that's the oath that they assume you have taken when you apply for a passport. And that didn't used to be in there. Somewhere that just got in there. You know, somebody just slipped it in. And that you will take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. So help me God. Yeah, God help you. You just gave to Caesar what belongs to God. You remember, that's what it says. It give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. When you take this, now what was God's is now Caesar's. You have to remember that question to Jesus was a trap question. And he answered it. If you made the agreement, which most of you have already done, you've even sold your children into that agreement. Go read Employee versus Enslaved. Go read Call No Man Father upon the earth. Find out what Jesus was really talking about. And I could go through the codes. You can go look at section 337 of uh, USC Title 8, section 1448, and you can see you have to bear true faith and allegiance. So where's your faith in God if all your true faith and allegiance is in the government? Now the point is you've already done wrong. You've already bound yourself. You're now bound in debt. You're in the bondage of Egypt. You can't just leave and stop paying your taxes or something. You have to repent, turn around, start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is what Jesus told you to do, which you Christians claiming to be Christians, aren't doing. And, of course, Jesus said it's not those who say they're Christians, it's those who are doing the will of the Father. And the will of the Father certainly includes not coveting your neighbor's goods, and you've been doing it. So what are we going to do about you? I'm not going to do anything about you. I'm just going to rebuke you, tell you you aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you should be ashamed and sorry. 
But mostly, you should turn around and start doing what you're supposed to be doing all the time, which is coming together in faith, hope, and charity to actually love one another and take care of one another because that's what pure religion is. And to do that without asking any help from men who exercise authority one over the other because until you stop doing that, you're not going to be free no matter what kind of tax protester you think you are. The problem in America today is not the government. The problem in America today is the people. And until the people are willing to see that, they're not going to find a solution. And they're all caught up in their what they think is religion, and it's not religion. And Osha, Osho, was a guy who spoke out against the hypocrisy of religion and then created his own and seduced thousands of people to give him millions upon millions of dollars and stole it all and squandered it all and wasted it all and they still love him because that's their religion and your religion most of the religion of today in almost every country including the country he was originally from and the country he went to and the country he was kicked out of and and all the countries that wouldn't let him come into their country. <laughs> they all are exercising impure religion. And the religion is the government's religion. You know, like if you go to some countries, I think it's, I think Sweden does this, that they have, uh, I think maybe even Norway too, Norway. Uh, might be Norway. I think their official religion is the Lutheran religion their state religion. They let the other religions exist, but the state religion gets all the bennies, so to speak. But the truth is, Social Security is your religion. That's how you take care of the needy of your society, is through that system of social welfare. And what should have been for your welfare has become a snare. That's what Paul says. That's what David says. And that's what happened in in uh, Egypt because that's where you are you're back in Egypt again but let's talk about solutions and let's talk about this other thing called religion and the thing that they say is not good religion and Osho and all this stuff when we come back to Keys to the Kingdom and see if we can't make some sense out of this as to what you can do on a day to day basis to seek the Kingdom of God and His righteousness we'll be right back Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're talking about the Kingdom of God and how to seek it and what it was and what it looked like. And we're going to talk about a guy named Osho. And it's not his original name. He he took that name. He took a lot of different names. Uh, kind of an identity crisis. If somebody keeps taking different names all the time, we have a number of different people that have taken different names and taken different names and taken different names. You're going to have to figure out who you are and settle on one of them because I really have a hard time with names and if you're going to be changing it all the time I'm not going to be able to keep track of you I'm not going to be able to keep track of you anyway because I just really have a hard time about remembering people's names and here God's called me to start this network and of course that's why he didn't give me the ability to remember people's names I can remember page numbers but I can't remember names um 
Why is that? It's because you guys have to remember each other's names. You have to start caring about each other. We want to avoid anybody being centralized and important as a centralized character. Each of you needs to develop your own importance in the network, your own value. And you must strive to become a value to your neighbor so that he learns to love you as a value. You are the treasure of the kingdom. Or maybe you're not. You should be. Anyway, somebody quoted a guy who's really kind of a giving guy. He's in our network. He's not very good with email, but uh, he's got a good heart. And he's still learning about how the kingdom works. And he quoted Osho. And uh, I didn't even know who Osho was because when I knew this guy, he didn't have the name Osho. He only took the name Osho shortly before he died. I think it was like three months before he dropped dead. And he didn't die of old age, really. He just died of, you know, from the lifestyle that he had chosen, really. But he says, people ask me why the society is against me. The society is not against me. I am antisocial. But I can't help it. I have to do my thing. I have to share what has happened to me. And in that very sharing, I go against the society. Well, when he shares what happened to him, and he does that by his actions, not just by his words. He was a very prolific word guy, but his actions will speak louder than his words. We can learn something from that. And we can be blessed by it. But what he actually preached uh, is not a blessing. But the fruit of his life shows us that what he preached was not a blessing and would not be a blessing if we followed what he preached. So, who is this Osho guy? What, what, what's he really all about? And what should we know about him so that we not, we don't die, uh, like an old man when we're still somewhat young? Anyway, Osho was born Chandra. Mohan, Jain, but became known as the famous, or maybe we should say infamous, Sivaritic Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. And he established the Rajneesh Purim here in Oregon, near Antelope, just north of us. I used to actually ride some of the bikes that were sold off of there. We, We bought them from somebody who'd bought a bunch of them at auction. And, you know, we got them for like 30 bucks, but they were pretty expensive bikes originally. And we just wore them out, <laughs> out here in the desert. I don't even know if we have parts left from them anymore. But anyway, uh, thousands of followers uh, wearing these orange robes and carrying his picture. That was part of the deal. You had to carry his picture everywhere. And uh, beads and all these inscrutable ideas that he brought from the East. And... They were wandering around this thousands of acres out there in Antelope, and they made it to town. We would see these bright orange road people running across the street, jaywalking and doing their thing here and there, and it was all quite curious to us. And I'm actually very familiar with Hinduism and, and yogis, Yogananda, uh, Progananda, Yogananda, who was one of the big ones to bring 
yogi teachings to America had uh, an assistant who was his American protege who became known as Cherry O'Bernard who I knew personally spoke with him on a regular basis of course he had already left the Hindu ashrams where he had worked uh, most of his life he was a childhood prodigy and became involved with him and realized eventually that he was a user of people he was a very clever manipulator that doesn't mean that everything he said was not true in order to be very successful as a manipulator of people you need to say a lot of things that are true and then you have to put a little twist on them for your own purposes and so even though he respected the guy as an individual he saw that the guy had become corrupted and the guy had fought against it for years and years and this Cherry Bernard got involved with another guy I've known for almost half a century and he's a guy who has fought that corruption in himself not always successfully we sometimes jokingly refer to him as Darth <laughs> <laughs> not Cherio. Cherio's passed away now. Anyway, Cherio realized how easy and subtle it is that you could become manipulated by these gurus, which is a Hindu word that we've adopted as someone who's a guru, head of a cult or whatever. And of course, when I first went out teaching people about the law and how the system works, when I first wrote the book Covenants of the Gods, I realized that people were making me a guru or trying to. And it literally physically made me ill until I could figure out how to deal with it. And it's a trick. Because it's always there. There's always somebody who's going to be trying to put you up on a pedestal. And of course, this guy kind of liked it up on a pedestal and took advantage of it from day one, early on. But now, now I wasn't referring to Cherry, I was referring to Osho. And you can see it throughout his life, how he used people and one after another, and even in his philosophy. You know, his ranch there became famous because he had bought 90 Rolls Royces for his personal use. And, you know, gold Rolls Royces and was driving around out there in the desert. And he also had Air Rajneesh consisting of at least Convair 240 and a Douglas DC-3, which flew drugs in and out of their community on a regular basis, along with a lot of other stuff. Several million dollars worth of Rolex watches. I mean, can you imagine that? Several million dollars in watches. And, of course, he saved some of those watches when most everything was stolen away. He, I mean, how did he accumulate all this? How did he get all these people to come out there and listen to him? I actually listened to an audio, uh, a video of him last night during the wee hours of the morning. I wanted to actually hear him speak again just to, you know, I heard him on the news and everything way back when, but I never went to actually meet the guy. But I wanted to hear the voice and see the face again before I do this report. And I've written an article in it. It's up on the net, and we'll send it out in the Living Network newsletter so you can find out where it is. It's on the Preparing News site. I've written another article that's going to be coming out on News with Views supposedly shortly, and I've done a couple hours of audios that have gone out, broadcasted, or will go out. They've been uploaded, but they will go out to the different radio stations 
and podcasts that we make available. And they'll be associated with the article so you can listen to them while you try to read the article. But basically, how did he draw these people? Because even though he's an extreme case, it's really important that you see the process. And sometimes by showing you the extreme case, you can see the process. But once you understand it, really understand it, not just know about it intellectually, you can guard yourself against being a part of that process with other people. And there's a lot of other people that do the same thing that he does, but on a less obvious level. So your heart's going to have to protect you against the subtlety of evil. And one of the things that evil uses is sophistry by changing the meaning of words. And that's, of course, what the article that's going out on News of Views, we have a whole series, and this is the fourth in that series, on words that you use every day that don't mean today what they used to mean yesterday or a hundred years ago, 150 years ago, and certainly at the time of Christ. And certainly not as Christ meant them to be used. Words like religion, words like faith. You don't know the meaning of them. Because if you did, you'd be doing something else different in your churches. You don't know the meaning of the word church. And part of that is because you don't know the name of Jesus. Some of you think the name of Jesus is Yeshua or Yahshua. But the name of Jesus is who he was. That's his name, his character. It's not the letters of his name. It's like knowing God. You don't know God because you say, well, you call God Jehovah and I know he's Yadivai. That isn't his name. That's what you put in your brain so you know who you're talking about. His name is his identity, his character. He doesn't have an ID card. And if he did have one, it would not conform to Homeland Security's requirements. <laughs> so, you know, who he is is who he is because he is who he is. I am that I am. That's it. It doesn't require your impression of him to establish who he is. People think worshiping has to do with you accepting God as who he is. Like God is some kind of insecure spiritual creature that needs your adoration or he gets despondent. God's not on Prozac. He's not on Luxol. He doesn't need those things. He is who he is. He doesn't need your worship. You need to do it in order to become like Him. To be remade in His image. Because you were originally made in His image, but you aren't in His image now. Somebody else remade you. How did they do that? Well, Osha knows how to do that. It was because of His tantric, self-indulgent, and the promiscuous license His teachings offered his supporters and followers that sometimes merited him the title of Zorba the Buddha. But three months before his death, as his life was ebbing away, he thought he'd been poisoned by something he'd gotten in prison, always thinking of conspiracies that were out to get him because it couldn't be his fault. It had to be somebody else's fault. He took on this... Uh, more Zen-sounding name of Osho. 
but it didn't heal him. He died anyway at 58. His meditation therapy might be best described by a quote from Ray Bradbury that I somebody sent on the network from his book Fahrenheit 451. He says, but, and somebody making reference to society, but everyone I know is either shouting or dancing around like wild or beating up one another. Do you notice how people hurt each other nowadays? That was the quote. And that's, that actually, his therapy sessions, they encourage violence. And it got so bad that one of the people in there ended up with broken arms, you know, and bloodied. And the complaints began. And people paid to go to his therapy sessions. They all often ended in or, orgy sex. And so, you know, it it was amazing the number of people that they would draw to this. Now, Osho once said, people ask me, why society is against me. The society is not against me. I am antisocial, he says. And that's not true. He was very social, just anti-establishment social. He says, I can't help it. I have to do my own thing. But he wasn't doing his own thing. He was doing the thing of somebody else who had gotten into him and find a home in him. And it wasn't Christ. He was not so much anti-social, but he was anti-social norms and moral restrictions. He opposed modern religion. He actually referred to Jesus Christ as crazy, and he equated Gandhi with Hitler. He opposed this modern religion, and often with some truth, because there certainly is a problem with modern religions. But he did not understand the great prophets any better than modern churches. He wanted to move many standards of morality away from the people so that they no longer had those standards. And he was a sociopath who attracted other sociopaths following him because the philosophy that he had is just ripe for that, because it was a hierarchical policy. There was an elite group, and then a mindless group who just wanted to have fun, and at the expense of others, often, dominate. And this uh, non-moral code facilitated that sociopath tendency in men and women. He followed people like Wilhelm Reich and Friedrich Nietzsche. These were his heroes. And if you don't know who they are, you can look them up on Google. But these followers fed on each other, often violently beating and imprisoning members of their own community. Some even poison those who might know too much or threaten the status quo of their power over the people and over the money, because the money was power, over $50 million was embezzled. Nobody knows what happened to it. They got a pretty good idea where some of it went. And 
to say nothing of the squandering of fortunes and the wrecking of whole lives. People gave them their homes and their life savings. Professional people making lots and lots of money. This was a very seductive religious power. And of course, there are there are preachers out there today with a little bit more acceptable persona that are raking in millions and millions of dollars and claiming to be preachers of Christ. And we've talked about them before. But anyway, this tantric philosophy, tantrism is this, you know, promiscuous sexual anything goes kind of approach as if these relationships are these totally physical relationships are leading you to spiritual nirvana. But anyway, his uh, tantric philosophy uh, attracted thousands of followers who supported him to the tunes of over a hundred million dollars, which was used to support his lavish lifestyle, severe drug addiction, his countless sexual exploits with younger women. It just goes on and on and on. It's just astounding how this all operated. His followers just continued to feed on this and feed on each other. How did he get away with this? How did so many people be duped by this? And now there's half a dozen books out by people who were duped by this and now reporting the truth of what they saw going on, but they didn't get out of it at the time. Some of them actually did, but most of them didn't. They, They continued to participate because what drew them to begin with enslave their hearts and their minds and even their physical bodies with addiction. I know I know there was a preacher who was, you know, he got into trouble with one church after another. He was philandering around. And there's still people today that say, oh, but I think he had a real calling of the Lord. Where do you see that? He, he, he just was the antithesis of Christ. <laughs> But he had the words that they wanted to hear. They were addicted to words. They wanted to hear, yes, you're saved because you accepted Jesus. But you didn't even know Jesus. That guy didn't know Jesus. Jesus wouldn't be doing what that guy's doing. He, this guy was a master of manipulation. Having begun his professional career as a, a philosophy professor, and with a self-indulgent spirit that was overcome by the power of people readily gave him because it was he or he was supposed to be quote unquote enlightened and i listened uh, the only i could only bear listening to one of the videos that were up on the internet with this guy one was all i could take <laughs> so, <laughs> that was it but the question was asked to him, do we have an, uh, a duty to take care of the needy or something like that? The, the poor? The unfortunate of society? You know, something that's happened to somebody to, to make life difficult for them? And he said, absolutely not. We have no duty. And then he starts backtracking and said, we do it out of love. But you listen to his speech pattern. And I've actually seen politicians with a similar speech pattern, although his was very pronounced. Of course, he had an accent, too. But there was a way in which he literally could mesmerize you as he talked. 
You know, you could see the sucking sound of his spirit drawing people in. But it only draws in certain kinds of people. And if you're one of those people, he will draw you in and you will be used. But then what do you do about How do you overcome that subjectivity? And I'm reminded of a, a woman who left, and I've told this story before, and it could be almost anywhere. I've actually heard it many times in many situations where her father was abusive and she couldn't wait to leave her father and fell in love with a guy who was a year or so older than her. And when she was 18, went off and married him. And within three years, he was beating her. And he had, she had to flee him to a shelter with her children and did not go back to him. And then she met another guy a number of years later and she married him. And within six months, he was beating her. And she had to flee again. And she realized, now, these guys were deciding to beat me. But why am I getting hooked up with these guys? What in me was drawing me to these guys? And I've seen this in religion where somebody leaves one very controlling religion for another religion that is either less controlling or more controlling, depending on whether... And I've actually just seen this just recently. But they're going over to another controlling religion. And they don't want the one that wants to set them free. They want the one that wants to control them. They're drawn to it. Why? We'll talk about that next time on Keys to the Kingdom. And we'll show you how to protect yourself from that type of trap. When we come back to Keys of the Kingdom next time. Till then, peace on your house and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk again about the Kingdom of God. And we're talking about this Osho fellow who was also known as Rajneesh, uh, the Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, who started Rajneesh Spiram in Oregon, and had ashrams and what have you over there in India for years, and got into all kinds of trouble because people were beaten bloody during his therapy sessions because he encouraged 
people to take away all the restrictions. Do whatever you feel. You know, it feels good, do it. You know, he's part of the Nietzsche free love. God is dead. Religion is a fraud. And the fact is, is that he was opening a door to evil. And the drug addiction, not only of himself, but of, of so many of the followers. They had planes flying in drugs. They had all kinds of people receiving prescription drugs, Valium and what have you, that weren't even receiving them. I mean, they were getting prescriptions for all these people. And the drugs would come in. They wouldn't get them, but the hierarchy was using them. And he was heavily addicted to nitrous oxide and everything. But his tantric philosophy attracted thousands of followers who supported him to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars, which was used to support his lavish lifestyle, his severe drug addiction, his countless sexual exploits with young women. He was a master of manipulation, being this educated philosopher and psychologist type understanding of the human mind. He can manipulate people. He used his cousin. He used another woman, Wolf Smith, forget her first name, that was from England, used her and used her and used her. And she finally, I believe, committed uh, assisted suicide in India. She died shortly, you know, about the same time he did. And her whole life and meaning of life was tied to this guy who just completely used her, beautiful young woman, used her for his own purposes and other women. But he also attracted women who were users of women and men and what have you. And they are the ones who plotted against people and tried to kill them. But he was this excellent manipulator. So what protects you from the manipulation of these people? Obviously, he was such an extreme. Many of you wouldn't fall prey to his manipulation of you because of the fact that he was so shocking, so extreme. But of course, that's part of the deal. You want to tell a lie that shocks. You want to jerk people out of their social standards in order to get them to go way beyond. I mean, there was a Holocaust, whether you agree with the numbers or not. There were holocausts in Germany. There were holocausts in the Soviet Union. There were holocausts in China where millions upon millions of people were imprisoned and put to death. How do you, that takes lots of people to make that happen. And so you have to kind of mesmerize the people into, into a state of unconsciousness to get them to do this. And it's real easy in the present state of consciousness in countries like America and Australia and what have you. You could find lots of people that would implement such a society of, uh, of mass murder. Uh, we are ripe for it. They were at the time of Rome, but we are more so. It's worse with us because even greater evil has entered into our society and into our communities. And the only defense from this is the Holy Spirit. And how do you bring the Holy Spirit in? You cannot conjure it up. You must be drawn to it and it to you. You must want to return to your Father's house to serve in your Father's house. What does that look like? To love Jesus. To love your neighbor as yourself. What does that look like? It does not look what this master of manipulation was doing. This man who was uh, supposedly enlightened, this Shand, Chandra Rajneesh Osho, was a compulsive liar, according to most of the people that 
knew him back then that have now come out and told what was really going on. He violently disapproved of marriage and instead advocated abortion and sterilization so that he could have this promiscuous, completely unnatural promiscuous lifestyle with impunity. He didn't have to worry about what would happen. He felt that the teachings of ethics was unnecessary because meditation would automatically lead to good behavior. Well, it did not seem to work in most cases, although there was a peculiar circumstances of good behavior, or what they call, quote-unquote, good behavior. But he became this total drug addict, both legal and illegal drugs. He had this personal secretary amongst these other people that he had liaisons with, sexual liaisons with, was awarded, his personal secretary was awarded this... uh, three 20-year jail sentences on charges of attempted murder of one of their own people as well as a judge as well as an actual terrorist attempt to poison a large section of their following because they were the ones who were the kind of dissidents and complaining about the squandering of money on 90 Rolls Royces and and all the other frivolous things, millions of dollars worth of Rolex watches. I mean, I mean, how many watches does that amount to? To get a million dollars worth of watches? I mean, what does that suitcase look like? Anyway, there was also this huge immigration fraud of uh, over 400 sham marriages to get people brought into this country. They They moved populations. They got poor people from all over the country to flew them into Rajneesh so that they could control the vote in the local community and get the right board members elected so they could do whatever they wanted. They were just, they were users and a lot of the people in Antelope didn't want to be used. And so they, with the help of other agencies of government who didn't really, aren't really fond of the kind of competition that he was bringing to town, wanted to get rid of him and they eventually did deport him and have $400,000 fine for him. But his private secretary, Sheila, she took off with somebody else and uh, went to Europe and eventually were extradited back to America. I think she was still walking around in 1985 and she finally fled, then had to be extradited, then had to be trialed for all this attempted murders. They were holding people down and injecting them, keeping them prisoner for days and days, trying to get information out of them. They actually poisoned one of their own people, but he ended up surviving. But it was clearly a murder plot, admittedly a murder plot by several of several people they were planning on murdering. And by 1988, these three 20-year consecutive sentences were just forgotten about. She was released on good behavior from jail. I mean, she didn't spend a couple years in jail. For attempted murder, embezzlement of millions of dollars, holding people down and injecting them with poison, homeless people, and what the heck? How could this be? What is going on? Evil loves its own. And you are surrounded by systems of evil. You know, I heard somebody, I mentioned that I had listened to a Ron Paul video that's on YouTube today that somebody recorded in the wee hours of the morning and and let me listen to and 
talking about coming collapses and all this stuff. And it was on the Alex Jones show. And Alex Jones was talking about how his life is in danger because of this attack on whistleblowers. I am the ultimate whistleblower. I am telling you how the systems of the world take control of vast sections of the population and then attempt to destroy anybody who comes up with an alternative that contradicts their plan. Their plan is a love that devours, uses, abuses, drains the life out of people. Socialism is that name that we give that system, but we also give it communism and fascism. There's always elements of fascism in these systems. And they devour people. They destroy. They are the holocaust of the spirit. And you'll find them alive and well in the modern churches who want you to belong to them instead of belong to Christ. They don't want to set you free to follow the ways of Christ. And there are ways. There are parameters. There are moral standards. Thou shalt love God. Thou shalt love thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. Thou shalt not steal, rob, beat, drug, induce your neighbor. Poison your neighbor. We're poisoning people. GMOs, chemicals in the food. The guys who are putting them in know what it's doing. Just like the cigarette people knew that it was causing problems. They didn't care because they don't love their neighbor as themselves. You have to repent. Or you will go the fruitful way of Osho, who died at 58 of heart failure. Now, you anybody could die of heart failure at 58. I may die of heart failure. I've spent a lifetime of hard labor and work and will continue to do so and love to do so. And But, you know, I was supposed to die when I was back a kid. They didn't think I'd make it to 21, 22 years of age. And I've outlived Osho <laughs> by, <laughs> by near a decade. And the so that's okay. But I want to do what Christ did. He came to set you free. Came to serve, not be served. And we are finally gathering people that are willing to do that. And if you will gather together and and lay down your life to serve as well, then Christ will find a home in you. And until Christ finds a true home in you, not an imaginary one where you think you're saved because you said you accepted Jesus, But in reality, the fruit that you're bearing is an enslaved society on the precipice precipice of death and destruction. Because you have put men on pedestals, gave them power like you gave to Saul. They may fall on their own sword, but they will take you down in a civil war of murder, mayhem, and holocaust of unbelievable proportions. And you can't prepare for it, except if you repent. So, not only did he die at a young age, others, many other people died around this deal, and they were dead inside already. I encourage you to gather together with us on the Living Network and form congregations of record and start striving in this other direction. And a lot of the other people died. There were people of suicide who died because of this religion was so empty. And this, her own uh, guru, Osho, died 
at the ripe old age, I said, of 58 of heart failure, supposedly. But his heart didn't give out because he had spent his life serving the need he and in love, but which is what he was talking about, but from extreme self-serving drug addiction and being a chronic user of nitrous oxide, canister after canister, he had an actual connection right next to his bed. He was in a drug state almost as often as he could be. Towards the end, years of meaningless promiscuity and unloving relationships, relationships of just using, undoubtedly in a futile attempt to flee from a suppressed guilty conscience. We do have a real conscience. Most of the time we're operating with what is a created conscience by social norms. And he was trying to throw out that created conscience of society by throwing out false religion. But he replaced it with nothing. Uh, No virtue. No restrictions. No morality. And there are some basic morality that we need to apply in our lives. Now, you can't apply it like witchcraft from the outside down. You have to apply it from the inside up in your heart. It has to come from your heart. It's God has to write upon your heart and upon your mind, and then you do these things which you should be doing so that you will have life more abundant. And if you don't, you're going to see the evidence of that. And we're going to talk about that in great detail so that you can understand that. We're going to go through it kind of step by step. He loved to shock people. I love to rebuke people because as many as I love, I also rebuke. And that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm saying you guys are really screwing up, but that's good to know because you can do something about what you are doing. You can't do anything about what everybody else is doing unless you want to become a dictator which is, you're going to have to assume a position of power to do that, and we know the power corrupts. You don't want to give anybody the power to be a dictator. Like I said, Osha has hundreds of these quotes floating around. He had a lot of these quotes, but this, that sometimes are contradictory and sometimes contain truths. And they're very deceiving because you're almost every quote is almost taken out of context. If you take it out of the context of his life, you you won't understand where he's leading you because the devil quotes the truth all the time. The adversary of life. Now, this is really important to understand. There is an adversary to life. Someone who is opposed to you having a life of your own. They want your life. They want to devour you. They want to consume you. And they call that consumption love. And there is another force in the universe that wants to give life. And that love bears fruit. This is what means to bear fruit. It is giving you life. Offering you life. Giving up its own life that ye may have life more abundant. Laying down its life so that you may have life. These are the two divisions in the universe. Those that want to take and those that want to give. Now, some people give like cutters who cut themselves and let the blood flow out. That's unhealthy. So, giving alone is not enough. Giving that others may have life more abundant. In other words, the giving that strengthens the poor. And it takes a divining spirit to know when to do that. So, he loved to shock people 
I sometimes shock people. I like to smack them upside the head a lot in a loving sort of way so that they wake up and see where they're going. You're headed for a cliff. You're going to go over there. You're going to be destroyed and everybody in your family is going to be destroyed if you don't repent. He claimed all other religious movements having been false or sick or failures, but his life ambition was to promote his movement as the first true religion. And I'm quoting him, first true religion. When in fact, he did not even know what the word religion meant. That's right. He didn't even know what the word religion meant. And so, do you know what the word religion means? And in the article, we give you a link to some of our articles on religion so you know it. So, how could thousands of people be fooled by his religion, much less the thousands of denominations and sects of religion all over the world that such billions of dollars that these uh, billions and billions of dollars that go to these religions and given by their followers can be squandered on things that have nothing to do with religion. Nothing at all to do with religion. Religion was, the meaning of the word religion, pure religion, was how you performed your duty to God and your fellow man and specifically, according to James, was to do this without the assistance of the constitutional orders and systems of governments of the world. If you read our articles, we'll show you exactly why we say that because that is the meaning of the words. Chanda Rajneesh Osho said at one time in reference to meditation, and there's going to be some truth in what he says here. This is the way the little eye works. It is simply sitting silently, witnessing the thoughts passing before you, just witnessing, not interfering, not even judging, because the moment you judge, you have lost the pure witness. The moment you say, this is good, this is bad, in other words, judge good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil. You have already jumped into the thought process. You've been swept away by the thought process. But how can you be a witness in a drug-induced state, which he often was? He wasn't a good witness. Why did he have to take drugs? Probably because he did do some meditating. And drugs open a door. I warn you, drugs open a door you cannot close. Drugs are dangerous. All drugs, legal or illegal, they're dangerous. Take every precaution and consideration before you take drugs. They are poison. They will burn a hole in a door you cannot close. Anyway, he went on to say concerning this process of meditation... That And this process of watching is very alchemy of real religion. It is the very alchemy, he says, of real religion. And this is where he's wrong. To some degree. There's even some truth in that, depending on what you mean by that. Because as you become more and more deeply rooted in witnessing thoughts... Thoughts start disappearing. 
you are but the mind is utterly empty. That particular sentence is, that's actually a quote, you are, but the mind is utterly empty. Now this is the danger. If your mind, if you're looking to empty your mind, what is your prayer to have it filled with? God wants to write upon your heart and upon your mind. In order to do that, He has to be able to enter into your mind and your heart. So therefore, you want to create a habitation in you for the giver of life. God being the God, being the creator of life, the giver of life and love. That's what you want to create. It's a home, a temple ready for Him. Because we know Jesus talks about demons entering in. And the habitation becoming worse than it was before. He, Osho is just talking about opening the door. And what does he want in his tantric philosophy of self-serving promiscuity? No wonder he had problems. He opened the door to Satan as wide as he could get it. And he wanted you to do the same. But once empty, have we opened the door a habitation for others compatible with our own hearts and minds? Well, what's in your heart and your mind? What are you really praying for? He imagines when we are empty that, and this is what he says, that's the moment of enlightenment. Well, not necessarily. Who's coming in? Who have you invited in? That is the moment that you become, for the first time, an unconditioned, sane he says saying, really free human being. You know, the devil was going to free you in the garden. Free you from walking with God. He was going to lead you to his realm, but you were told that it would lead you to death. And this is what this is where Chandra Rajni Osho didn't understand. He also said, you feel good, you feel bad. And these feelings are bubbling from your own unconsciousness. That's all true. From your own past. Nobody is responsible except you. That's true. To a certain extent. Nobody can make you angry. The anger's already in you. They're just bringing it out. And nobody can make you happy. If they can, you're their slave. But when we're saying nobody, we're talking about other people. What about God? Is there a God? He believed Nietzsche that God was dead. But the God is not dead. He may be dead to you. So anyway, when we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been missing so that we can understand where we need to go. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We were talking about this Osha and Osho and he his meditation, which meditation is good and we talk about that. We've explained that on a few of the shows that we've had and they'll all be in our archives. Meditation is about being still. Many times in the Bible it talks about being still and knowing, which we call waiting on the Lord, and it is about observation, it's not about entering your will. In the process, it's about willing to lay down your will and listen to what God has to say. But you have to have the right intent to open your heart to God in His ways. And if you're not going to, 
meditation will serve you ill. It will bring you to the doors of hell, but that may be where you need to go now while you're still alive and you can do something about it because you'll see that you're not bearing fruit. So, you don't want to be surrounding yourself by the charlatans, Shanda Rajneesh Osho, and the millions of others that go by more Christian names. They may not teach you meditation, but they got you out there chanting. You know, one of the things in his therapy deals is that you get all get together and sing and dance. And you love one another. Of course, he takes it to the extreme. And like, like I said, he is the extreme. You can you can see the stuff that they were doing. The orgies and the uh, promiscuity and the unfaithfulness and and you know breaking down all the things that we call moral values and attracting all these people and millions of dollars and squandering them on themselves and abusing the poor, abusing the wealthy, abusing everybody for their own self-purpose. So it's easy to say, oh, they're crazy. And the bad thing about that is that you may think you're sane and that your leaders are any better. And they're not. Because you're not being led by the Holy Spirit either. You're you're full of iniquities. And Christ is not going to want to have anything to do with you. You've got to find out what Christ was really doing and try to do that. And when you try to do that, you're going to find out how far away from Christ you've really come. But that's good. Because until you find out where you're at, you can't find your way back. And there is a way back. You can't get back. Let me add that. You can't get back. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough strength. You don't have enough wisdom. You are totally incapable of getting back. But that's great. (laughs) Because all you have to do is turn around and head back. God will come out and meet you halfway. He's all around you. His servants all around you. But you have to want to come back. And so, it's not complicated. It's not conjuring up good spirits, bad spirits. It's not, you know, endless hours of contemplating your navel in meditation or any of those things. It's about following His way and willing to realize where you haven't been. Because that will help you get back on the track. Heading back to your Father's house with the intent not to be saved, but to serve. That must be your intent. That's the prodigal son wasn't coming back to be saved, although he was realizing life was not good in the bondage of Egypt, feeding the pigs. But he he very clearly was coming back to serve, to be a servant in his father's house. That has to be your intent, the majority of your intent. And then as you are still and you are emptied out, on your journey because your journey will exhaust you. Ever go on a long journey, you know, a 50-mile hike where, I mean, you can't hardly move your legs when you're done. You are exhausted. You are emptied out of energy. But then God will fill you up if you come back with that right intent. We are not God. We are not self-creating. And therefore, we may align with God or something less than God. That is our choice. Religious leaders like Abraham, Moses, Jesus, even Buddha. I I don't know Buddha personally, but I've read a lot of stuff that he supposedly was attributed to him. 
He's not half off of what... His metaphors are almost identical to Jesus. There's some things that are different. One of the things Buddha said is, the sight of me is not your salvation. <laughs> he said, don't make me a god. And, and, you know, he came 400 years before Christ, and he was really a social reformer. He wasn't trying to start a new religion as we think of religion today, and as they have made the Buddhists have made him. The Buddhists follow Buddha as closely as most of the people calling themselves Christians are following Jesus, or Jews following Moses, or Muslims following Abraham. None of them are doing what those guys were doing. And that's why we wrote the book, Thy Kingdom Come, and that's why we give it away for free. Download it for free on the net. Find out what they were doing. Before Christ tried to point a way to seek in alignment with the creator of life, people were off track. Today, religionists have often been revisionists who take what Christ said, what Abraham said, what Moses said, or what Buddha said, and have turned it around to serve themselves in their own private interpretation of their teachings. Now, we could be doing the same thing, and we don't want you following us as a guru, and that's one of the things we're going to be talking about. If we don't get it all in this show, we'll put it in another show, and we'll make it available on thelivingnetwork.org. But Jesus said it best in Matthew 7.16, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Is that GMO? Anyway, the uh, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. And this is what you see with OSHA. He brought forth corruption. What do you see in the world that you live? You live in Australia. What do you see in your world? Your your world is mostly dominated by government. So what do you see in your government? What do you see in your churches? Are they setting you free? Or are they binding you up? Is the minister trying to control you? Or is he trying to set you free? Is your government trying to control you? Or is it trying to set you free? Well, what are you trying to do? Ah, are you trying to set your neighbor free? Or do you want more of those free benefits? Yeah, we're back to what we started with at the beginning. Do you want those free benefits that you get, like free education and free health care and free welfare and guaranteed uh, Social Security check? And You can't get those from men who exercise authority and tell me that you're following Christ because he said you weren't to be that way. You were supposed to create a system bound by love. Bound by love. You know, the Osho talks about that, but was he wasn't doing that. He offered you, all he was, you know, this is why he didn't get along with governments. He's just offering what they're offering. Freedom from responsibility. Freedom from sacrifice. Freedom from having to lay down your life to have life more abundant. Freedom from having your responsibility is to love your neighbor as yourself. It is a responsibility. It is a duty. You don't have to do it in the kingdom of God, but you will reap the results of a selfish person. We have at least 500 people in the network. We have more than that in the who get the newsletter. I mean, 
And I don't know who all will get that. And then, of course, we have other outlets like News of Views, and that goes out to tens of thousands of people. But if everybody was just giving 1% of what they earn, after taxes even, we could have shelters built all over the countries that would be distributing good, wholesome foods to not just the needy, but the repentant needy. Those who are seeking the ways of Christ. You know, we could have housing all over, not just for every bum on the street, but those two people who really need help. Now, we would reach out and try to make use of those facilities everywhere and anywhere in the what we call the sacrifice of the red heifer. The word red heifer, there's only one reference to red heifer in the Bible, and the words there in the Hebrew are actually the words for Adam, and fruit. That's right. What The fruit that you bear. The fruit of Adam. That is what you sacrifice. The fruit of Adam is to be sacrificed outside the network. Outside the congregation of the people. Burnt up completely outside their walls. Not given to them, but given outside their walls. And what kind of an offering was that one? It's a recompense for sin. It's what you have to do to start, to jump start the kingdom. Because you've sinned. We've all sinned. We've all gone out. We've all coveted our neighbor's goods through these systems, uh, that these tantric systems that say, you don't have to be responsible, that offer you with great swelling words, liberty. And we talk about this in the article. And, and we're going to have to go into another show to get to this. Because I was going to go through step by step self-introspection of what you want to watch out for and what you want to seek. And I won't be able to do it justice in the rest of this show, but we will put this all together in three or four part shows so that you can take a look at these things. But the reality is if uh, if all those people that were in this network were actually forming congregations of record and those congregations of record were doing some form of tithing. I'm not even talking 10% of your gross income or even 10% of your net income, but we're actually giving that. We could be establishing these centers all over the country. And I can guarantee you that our guys would not be accumulating $10 million worth of, what was it, Rolex watches. And it has to flow. The wealth has to flow out there. Seeking those people striving for the kingdom and bringing them together with home school, home health, home industry. We have several meetings today, conference calls you could all be a part of. I could give you how to be a part of them on business and, and what have you. You could all be a part of them, but you can only get the information on the livingnetwork.org. And if you haven't already joined up, you're not, not going to know how to get a hold of and who to get a hold of and where to call and how to meet up with people helping people. But we could start these centers all over and if you help us govern those centers, not by ruling over them, but keeping them pure and on track with what Christ was doing, we could help you start forming a network of people who love your rights as much as they love their own, love your children as much as they love their own, love your grandparents as much as you love your own. Because you love theirs as much as you love your own. You gather those people together and you will form a network that the world will fear. 
because you will be righteous in seeking righteousness. You won't actually be righteous, but you'll be at least seeking it on a day-by-day basis, moment-by-moment basis, in real ways, so that all those resources and that network itself will become your social insurance based on love. That's powerful. You know, I mentioned the movie Band of Brothers many times. Their care for each other is what made them powerful and made them succeed. And they learn that in hard times. You'll learn in hard times or some of you will fall upon the way. When Jesus talks about scattering those seeds, He makes it very clear that a lot of them get eaten up. Only some bear fruit. But that's what you have to look for. Are you bearing fruit in your church? Or are you just feeling good? Are you really, have you become the entire social welfare of your church community? Or is your church community still depending about 90% on the social welfare given to them by the benefactors who exercise authority which Christ said you were not to do? How can you get back? I don't know. It's impossible. It will take a miracle. But should you start back? Yeah. And how do you start? The longest journey, my son, begins with the first step. Even if it's a baby step. Connect on the Living Network. Form congregations of record. Gather so that not you, you see, you're so used to going to church to feel good. To have your spirits raised up by somebody else. If they can raise your spirits, they can dump you into hell. They can make you happy. They can make you sad. They are slave religions. They bind you to them so that you have to return to them. We're setting you free. You only come to church in hopes of serving someone else because you know and by serving you fulfill your obligation to God. Because God said, Feed my sheep. Love one another. Be there for one another. Care for one another. It's simple. You just have to start back. Start walking. You know, when you you look up at a tall mountain and you see that peak is so far away, you think, I could never get there. As long as you stand there and think, I can never get there. You can never get there. But if you start walking in that direction, you might catch a ride from the Holy Spirit who will bring you closer and closer and closer and bring the mountain closer to you. You can get there. Have the hope. Seek it. But don't imagine that it will come without sacrifice. Your sacrifice will not pay for your ticket. But it will manifest Christ in you. How could Christ be in you if you didn't want to sacrifice? It was the nature of Christ to sacrifice. To give of Himself. With a hope that you might repent. And love God. Do you do you hope that others will do the same? Or do you want to force them to take care of you? Two men who exercise authority. This is so fundamental, so basic, and so unheard in your modern churches. OSHA was right. They bind people up. They're not setting them free. But neither was he. 
He was not setting you free. And the fruits of His religion proved out a spirit that guided Him. And the proof of your religion is, is that you have all returned to the bondage of Egypt. And it is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And you think you will change it by the power of your own arm or your, the power of your own vote? Or are you out there being a survivalist to save yourself? If you go to one of these survival meets, I pray that you go there with the intention of figuring out how you can save others. Because unless you do, you probably will not be saved. You have to come with that intention because that is the intention of Christ. That is why the Christians survived and thrived during the decline and fall of the Roman Empire is because they actually knew the reason you go to church is to love your neighbor as yourself, not to be loved. God doesn't want you to go to church because He needs your love. You need to love one another so that God can enter into the habitation of your heart and guide you and protect you. Is it not lawful to do with His own what He will? Or right now, who do you belong to? Israelites were not saved because they rebelled against Pharaoh. Christians were not saved because they rebelled against Caesar. It was because they conformed to the ways of God, the ways of Moses, the ways of Christ. They began to care about one another and love one another and sacrifice for one another and be there for one another and fill each other water vases so that they may all have drink, not just to save themselves. You should be encouraging everybody on your block to prepare for poor drinking water. That's one of the biggest dangers that are facing people today is not having drinking water. Not having water that they could provide for themselves and for each other. And if you go into a water ministry where you're out there drilling wells, we have somebody doing that. You should, every every time you drill a well, you should have the owner not only buy pitcher pump and a, maybe a force pump that can be used by hand instead of just an electric pump, but he should buy two and give you one so that you stock up on those things because there will come a day when everybody will need such a pump. <laughs> and and water filters and all those things, learn how to make them. And if you buy one, don't just buy one for yourself, buy one for your neighbor. Make wonderful gifts. Those things will be important here one of these days. And it's the cheapest insurance you'll buy. And there are a million things that you could be doing. And that we could be doing together if you would gather together. But you have forsaken the gathering together because you think you can save yourself or you think you're already saved because you said Jesus. You're not doing things in His name until you're doing the things the way He was doing them and the way the early Christians were doing them. And they were no longer depending on the Corbin of... Herod and the Pharisees to take care of their needy. They were gathering together and picking men they trusted to tend to the daily ministration for thousands and thousands of Jews who accepted Christ as King. 
And Christ was a king that would not turn you into his bread. He was not collecting Rolex watches. He was not collecting millions and millions of dollars so that he could have promiscuous liaisons with as many women as he could have. I mean, I can I can name you Christian preachers, and I have on other programs, that did it. Claim to, you know, Armstrong's son. Liaisons with hundreds of young women, or at least a hundred, while he was supposedly a preacher of Christ. How does that happen? You give him power, and power corrupts. And you do the same with your governments, you do the same with your churches, you do the same with your doctors, you do the same with your lawyers, and you have to stop that. And that's what our next program on this subject is going to talk about, is how do you stop that? How do you know when you're going in that direction? What is the the mechanics and the process of putting men up on pedestals or knocking them off pedestals? You don't have the right to put men up or to tear men down. And if you think you do, you are caught in the stream that flows to hell. And a molten lava stream that flows into the gates of hell and you will not be able to stop. So you have to stop judging others. Judging them as good, judging them as evil, judging yourself as good or evil. Start seeing the truth. And willing to accept the responsibility for your sin and then turn around and start making the sacrifice of the red heifer. The sacrifice of the red heifer having nothing to do with the color red and having nothing to do with a heifer calf just as the altars have nothing to do with stones, but has to do with people. Anyway, until then, may peace be upon your house, and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.